here and shared at Refresh was at the beginning of last year. And yeah, I stand here in a different capacity as Muzz shared. Um, now, instead of working with um, school students, working with young adults. And it is such a privilege um, working with that age group. I consider myself a young adult. I'm going to own that um, for a while. I think it's like 35 plus plus that it actually finishes. So that pretty much covers all of you here today. Um, but young adults, I just want to take this moment just to really affirm you. Um, we need you in our, in our church. You are just an incredible um, group of young people. And for those of you that are here, um, keep being involved, keep staying connected. Um, you guys are the leaders of our church and um, we just want to honour you and um, affirm you today. Can we just affirm um, this incredible age group of young people? <clears throat> Let's pray together this morning. And Father in heaven, Lord, we just come before your presence. Um, as our worship leaders shared, we are in the throne room of God right now. And that's just amazing. It's actually pretty crazy to get your head around um, that as humans, we get to be in the presence of God. So I just thank you so much for that privilege. Just pray that you would speak through me today, Lord. Um, just empty me of myself and all of my stuff. Um, ultimately, it's about you and the Spirit speaking through me. So I just pray that you would do that today. Pray a blessing on every single person here. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So many decisions. You know, what are you going to have for breakfast? Who's a cereal person here? Who cereal for breakfast every day? Who's more of a toast person? Nutella, who has Nutella on toast? Is Nutella on toast? Um, TV programs, so many different TV programs to watch. Who's into a bit of the action? No one's brave enough to say. Who prefers more the action, the kind of sci-fi, a um, bit more mystery? Anyone else prefer that sort of style? Yep, I can see some hands over here. Um, $1,000, if you had $1,000 to spend, what would you spend it on? What would be the first thing, if you got a, a gift of $1,000, what would you go out and do? Would you save it? Would you go shopping for those new shoes, ladies? Would you go buy a new um, something for your car, fellas? I don't know, what would you choose? What subjects do you choose when you're in senior at school? Like, there are so many different options. Do you go with something that you're really passionate about? Or maybe there's something that you think will know will help you in your future career? So many decisions. What sports should we play? What should we um, do? Sorry, this mic. That's a bit better, thank you. I always get tangled in these things. I'll just let Muzz um, sort me out there. Thank you very much. Can we just give it a hand for our AV guys? Because they are brilliant. <laughs> thank you. Um, a decision I had to make, who was I going to marry? I've made that choice now and I think it was a good one. I know it was a good one. Um, how many bridesmaids should I have? How many bridesmaids should I have? I actually didn't have any, so that made it really, really easy in choosing that decision. How many children should I have? That's a question we probably need to talk about. Um, so many decisions that we need to make in our lives today. Some of them don't really matter all that much. They really don't. Whether you're a toast person or cereal, it doesn't matter. Your TV shows, whether you're a soapy or action, it doesn't really matter all that much. But then there are the big ones. There's those big decisions that we have to make in terms of what are we going to do for the rest of our lives? What are we going to um, pursue in terms of a course of study? What sort of job are we going to apply for? Um, who are we going to marry? 
so many decisions and the fact is when we look back over our lives, over the sum total of our lives, whether we're young adults, whether we're um, older young adults, our life story so far is basically the sum of the decisions that we've made. Yes, there is some stuff in our lives that is a result of what has happened to us. Um, And that's, I guess, a different topic in itself. Some stuff happens to us that we don't have control over. But a lot of the things that happen in life um, are, in fact, the result of the choices that we make. And for some of us, this is a pretty harsh reality to think about because we may look at our lives and we may have some regrets. We may look back at decisions that we've made and think, I really wish that I hadn't done that. Some of us may actually look at our lives and there may be whole chapters that we wish we could just erase. We wish we hadn't gone down that path. And sometimes when we feel that way, you know, coming along to church, um, being a part of a small group can be really threatening because we worry, you know, what happens when people find out that I've made some of these bad decisions? You know, how will people respond to me? And then some of us are living the dream. Some of us are really stoked with the decisions that we've made. We think, yep, I've made really good choices and I am where I am today because I've made these amazing decisions. But I think um, if we were all being really honest, I think that most of us here would admit to the fact that we've probably made some choices um, that we look back upon and and we wish that we could do them differently. So this whole decision-making thing is really tough. And for those of you who are new to church, um, this might be your first time here today, you might have been coming along a couple of times, Um, maybe one of the reasons that you've wanted to come along to to church and be with people who believe in God is because you're thinking, God, I really need some help with making decisions. I've made some bad choices and I really want to make some good ones. I want you to put some guardrails into my life so that I can make um, some choices that will protect me in the future. If that's you today, um, even if you are a long-term Christian and that's you today and you're saying, God, I just, I want to hear from you. I want to know what your will is for my life. Um, The good news is that we have an incredible God who wants us to call him Father, who is our Father and who wants to guide us and lead us in the decisions that we make. But the challenge is, there's always a challenge. How do we know what God wants us to do? How do we know what he wants us to decide in this particular situation? How do we know if it's God speaking to us or if it's just a random thought that's popped into our mind or if it's something strange that we ate last night? How do we actually know that it's God speaking to us? And then things can get really complicated when we start getting conflicting advice from people. When um, old matey over here gives us some really great advice and then we come over here and auntie over here gives us some conflicting advice which is totally opposite to what this guy said. What are we supposed to do when we have two different stories? It makes us really hard. Now just to be clear, when I'm talking about um, hearing from God, I'm not talking about a big booming voice from heaven. Um, I've got to be honest, I've never actually had that happen to me. I've never heard the big, loud, booming voice of God um, coming down from heaven. And and to be honest, I think I'd actually be a little bit terrified um, if that actually happened when I was praying in my room and God answered in an audible voice. I think I'd be pretty scared. I'm not talking about that um, this morning. God does talk to people in an audible way. And we know um, that from Samuel in the Bible, 
um, there's a story there that talks about God actually speaking clearly to Samuel. He actually heard it with his own ears. In fact, he thought it was someone calling him from the other room. So it does happen, but I'm not speaking about that today. I'm talking about the fact that we have a good God who invites us to call him dad and who cares about our lives. He actually cares about the decisions that we make. And the amazing thing is that we have a God who is up to something that is bigger than our lives here on this earth. And he actually wants us to be a part of it. And just to get a little bit of a perspective um, on how great and how big our God really is and where we kind of fit into that, I've just got a little clip that I want to play for you this morning. Um, For those of you who were at North Pine Week of Worship uh, last year, you may recall it, um, but me just watching it again this week, it just just gave me goosebumps as I really thought about just the magnitude and the size of the God that we serve. So I'll just get the fellas to play that for us now. Thank you. What, what, What you're seeing right now. First of all, this is the earth. Okay, just, just, you're taking off from the earth from Southern California, and we're going we're gonna to rise up for a little bit here. Okay, we're going to pull away from it. We're going to pull higher. Now, this is at about 10 kilometers. Like, if you climb Mount Everest, this is what you'd see. You'd see the curvature of the earth from that distance. Now, you're gonna, we're going to climb up even higher. This is at 100 kilometers. And you're a fourth of the way to the space station now. This is what you'd see. If you get to this level, you're considered an astronaut. Just if you ever get there. Okay, now we're going 100,000 kilometers. 100,000 kilometers from the Earth. You're a fourth of the way to the moon. That's what the Earth would look like. Now we're going to pull away to a million kilometers. At a million kilometers, there's the moon. Okay, there's the moon. You can barely see the Earth. You're at a million kilometers now. You're past the past the moon, and uh, now we're going to go to 100 million kilometers. 100 million kilometers, you're still not to the sun. The sun's 93 million miles away, but now we're going to go to 10 trillion kilometers. There's the sun. Okay, You just passed the sun, now you would see all of the planets at 10 trillion kilometers. And now, we're at 10 to the 15th power. That means 10 with 15 zeros. I don't know what that number is. 15 zeros, and the sun's just like a bright dot amidst other stars. And now we're going to 10 light years away. At 10 light years away, come on, let's go. Zoom, there you go. 10 light years away, now you just see the sun with like 11 other stars that are kind of its neighbors. You know, that, 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 that's our sun. And now we're going to go 1,000 light years away. At a thousand light years away, you, you wouldn't even see our sun anymore. These are just a bunch of stars close to it in this cluster inside the Milky Way. Now we're going to zoom out even further, and that's the Milky Way we live in. See that cluster of stars? Those are about a hundred thousand stars that are closest to our sun. You can't see our sun anymore at this point. Now this is our Milky Way galaxy, and forget about the Earth. Okay, there's our Milky Way galaxy that we live in, um, and we're just buried in there somewhere. And we're going to pull out even further, and you'll see that our galaxy is actually, it's, it's a big galaxy, and, uh, and all those other things you're seeing now are galaxies. And we're going to pull away 10 million light years now. His next scene is 10 million light years. Those are all galaxies you see amidst our Milky Way, several hundred galaxies. Now we're going to go 100 million light years away. This is the last one. We're going to zoom out to 100 million light years. 
Those are all clusters of galaxies. Galaxies and clusters of galaxies. You won't even see our Milky Way galaxy anymore amidst that. We don't have telescopes that go beyond that little sphere there. What, what, what you're seeing right now. First of all, this is the Earth. Okay? Just, just, you're I taking think it's off just from going the Earth. Leap, then. I don't know about you guys, but my head is spinning. Um, when, I, when I think of that and when I look at that and our tiny little Earth um, in amidst all those galaxies, I think, how does, how does God even remember us? How does he even remember that we're here? And the fact is, he doesn't just remember that we exist. He actually became one of us through Jesus. And when you look at it in the light of that, when you think about God becoming a human, becoming one of us and having a plan for us, um, an eternal plan, it just absolutely blows my mind. God cares about the decisions that we make. Even though we're a tiny little dot in that whole complex of galaxies, he cares about every single person. In Proverbs 3.6, we're going to look at this text um, more completely a little bit later, but just I want to look at this last part for a sec. It says, he will make your paths straight. He will make your paths straight. And I love how um, the message translation, it's a version of the Bible um, written by Eugene Peterson, and he just really brings it to life in the way he paints a picture. And he says, he is the one who will keep you on track. So our God wants to make things obvious for us. He wants to make things clear about what you are to do, about where you are to go. This is an incredible promise, and this promise is for everyone who wants to get in on what God is doing, what he wants us to do, and what his will is for our lives. He will make our paths straight. This question of God's will, it's an epic one, and I don't know if you personally have, have wrestled with, you know, what is God's will? What is it that he wants for our lives? And Andy Colby um, shared last week about God's will, and he shared the fact that God's ultimate will is for us to know him for us to have a relationship with him, for us to have a friendship with him, for us to experience his love now and for all of eternity. That is God's will for us. And so this week, um, over just the next little while, um, I just want to dig a little bit deeper into this idea of God's will. And there's a pastor by the name of Andy Stanley who um, pastors over in the States, and in, he talks about this concept of God's will. And as I was thinking about this this week, it really resonated with me. He says that the Bible talks about God's will in three main ways. Um, the first one is the providential will of God. I'll just flick to our screen here providential will of God. We're going to go into um, this in a little bit more detail. The next one is the moral will of God. And then the third one is the personal will of God. And that's what we want to know about. We want to know, for me personally, um, what God wants for my life. So every time this concept of will of God pops up in the Bible, it can be categorized into one of these three, providential, moral, and personal will. So what the heck is that providential will? It all sounds very um, massive. It actually is the stuff that God is going to do and does do, irrespective of us. It's not dependent upon us. It is God's overarching will that there's nothing that we can do to change about. And the fact is, it was God's providential will to send Jesus here to this earth. That was a part of God's plan, that nothing was going to change. Um, the enemy tried to, Satan tried to, to ruin that plan, but he couldn't because it was God's providential will that Jesus would come to this earth and save us. It's his providential will that he is coming back again. 
that's a fact. Um, you may not know a lot about that. You might be a, a, you know, beginning in your journey as a Christian, but I want to assure you that we have a God who hasn't forgotten about us and who's left us here to suffer on this earth. He's actually coming back. That's his providential will. He also said just before he left this earth, he said, I will build my church and that the gates of hell will not be able to stand up against it. You might look around church today and you might see some things that you don't like. You might see some things that you're struggling with. But the fact is, this is God's church, which is a group of people. It's not this building. It's us here today. And he says he'll build his church. That's God's providential will. The amazing thing about this providential will of God is that even though he can do it on his own, he actually chooses to use humans to accomplish it. He actually partners with humans. We have a God, a creator God, an amazing God who's actually in the business of partnering with us and choosing to to do his will through us. For example, he gave Abraham um, in the Old Testament, in the Bible, he gave him the role of being a father of many nations. He gave Moses the job of leading the Israelites out of Egypt. He gave Esther the opportunity of saving her people. He gave Mary the unbelievable job of giving birth to Jesus. He gave men and women throughout the Bible the opportunity to speak on his behalf. And that invitation still stands for us today. It's not just a bunch of old stories in the Bible. God actually says, I want to speak through you today. So that's the providential will of God. The moral will of God can be explained as those things um, that God has given us to do. And some of us at this point might be thinking, great, okay, morals, it's the commands, it's the do's and don'ts. Um, We can find them throughout the Bible and it's stuff that's pretty self-explanatory. The don't steal, don't kill, honour your parents. And this stuff is a bunch of do's and don'ts, but at the same time, they are things that God actually has given us as guidance so that we can live the best possible lives possible. It's not about um, restricting us. It's not about trying to put something on us that makes us not live an exciting, fulfilling life. He gives us his moral will to help us live the lives that we were created for. And when it comes to some of these moral decisions, um, I know for myself, sometimes I can think about, you know, what's the right thing to do? Um, But often these moral decisions that we're making, we we don't actually need that much guidance because we kind of know the answer already before we're praying. We don't really have to pray, um, God, should I cheat on this exam or should I not cheat on this exam? What's the right thing to do here? You know, God, should I I steal that that money? You know, what should I do? The fact is we we don't really need to pray about that stuff because we know what God wants. We just may not like the answer. We may not want to follow through on what we think um, he wants us to do. The incredible thing is the more we become familiar with the moral will of God, the more we will understand his personal will for our lives. Now, the personal will is the one that we all want to know about. What does he want for my life personally? Should I take that job? Should I date that girl? Should I study that course? Should I accept that invitation? Um, Should I save or invest? How should I parent my children? All of those decisions um, are ones that have the impact of of affecting our, our future. And it sounds really overwhelming when we think of all the decisions that we need to make in our daily lives. But the awesome news is, as I mentioned before, God is interested in our personal decisions. He is completely and totally invested in our lives. He loves us enough to come and die for us and save us. And so he cares about the way we're going to spend our resources, the way we're going to spend our time, and the way we're going to um, react to the opportunities that he gives us. So when we ask that question, what does God want me to do? He actually wants us to know the answer. 
may I suggest that discovering God's personal will for our lives, knowing what's, what he wants us to do in the situations that we find ourselves in, it's actually impacted by those first two, those two I mentioned earlier, the providential will of God and the moral will of God. Um, Pastor Andy Stanley puts it like this. I can't remember if I put this one on the screen. Here we go. The more familiar you become with the providential will of God, so his plan that can't change, the one that he is going to put in place no matter what, and the more obedient we are to the moral will of God, not easy, certainly not saying that that's easy, the more that we do these two things, the easier it will be to determine and to understand God's personal will for each of our lives. I wonder if any of you can tell me what this is. I was hunting around Bunnings trying to find one. I thought it was going to take me like five minutes, but I was running around with all these tradies and they're looking at this girl going, what is she doing? This is a plumb bob. And so the builders in here will be familiar with with what this is. Um, It is something that is used um, to basically determine what everything else will do around about it. It sets the the line, the perpendicular line that comes down and the string goes way longer than this. I don't think they really use them that much anymore. There's probably far more advanced technology. Um, But back in the day, you know, years ago, they would use this to set what is this straight line so that they could build the rest of the the house or the building around it. This tiny little thing with string and a weight on the end actually had the ability to determine what the rest of the house was going to turn out like. Everything else was um, was built according to this. And in some ways, when we talk about the providential and the moral will of God, in some ways they're like this plumb line they actually determine the rest of the things that happen around them. It's a standard by which we can make our decisions. We can actually make good decisions based on the fact when we know what God is trying to accomplish in this world and when we know what it is that he wants us to do with our moral choices. The more familiar we are with this plumb line, the more we can make other decisions. In 1 Samuel 24, David had a decision to make. He was on the run again. Saul was chasing him and he wanted to get out of there as fast as possible. Saul had 3,000 men with him hunting David down. And so David and his men decided to get out of there and they went to the desert of En Gedi. Now they were a fair way ahead of Saul when they actually came across some caves out in this desert and they saw those caves and they thought, you know what, that is a great place to hide rather than us just trying to keep on running to escape from Saul. Why don't we go up into one of those caves, hide out in there and then once Saul passes, we can come out and we'll be safe and we can actually escape. So that's what they did. Next minute, Saul and his men are coming through and the king, um, as everyone needs to do, decides that he needs to go to the bathroom. And so at that point, he says to his men, guys, I've got to get off the track here and go find myself some privacy. And so he goes up into the hills and of all the caves in that entire place, which one do you think he chooses? The one where David and his men are hiding out. And so Saul is coming up to this cave. You can imagine the guys are in the back here and they they see that Saul is coming into this cave and they think that they're done for. They're trapped. There's nowhere they can go. There's nowhere they can escape. Saul is coming in 
Now, his eyes, I'm assuming, have probably not adjusted to the dark yet. He's been out in the bright sunshine. He's coming inside. He can't really see anything. These guys in the back here are thinking that it's all over. They're about to, you know, lose their lives. Saul's going to get them and bring his men up. But the fact is, what they didn't realize, he was just there to go to the bathroom. So he does his thing. And the men of David says, David, like, this is awesome. We have got Saul here, the dude that's trying to kill you in the most vulnerable position possible. He doesn't know we're here. He's not really in a position to fight right now. Let's take him out. Like, this is obviously God's will. God has brought him here to us and we can just take him out just like that. And so David actually has a decision to make here. It seems so um, unlikely that Saul would just happen to be there. His emotions are saying, I need to make this decision and kill Saul. You know, I've been on the run for so long. Um, the circumstances are indicating that this is the right thing to do. Even his men are telling him, you know, you need to get onto this and, and take this guy out. But the fact was, David was a man who knew God's heart. David was a man who was familiar with God's ways. He understood God's providential will and he understood the moral um, will that God had. And so in 1 Samuel 24, 6, we hear David saying this, The Lord forbids me that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lift my hand against him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. So David's mind was made up. He dared not kill the king the one that God had put in place, even though everything else around him was saying it was a good idea, his emotions, the circumstances, the people around him. We can relate to that, hey? When there's everything else in our world right now is pointing to that, that one decision, and yet David was familiar with God and his ways, and he knew that he had to let King Saul pass. More, the more familiar we are with God's providential will, the more surrendered we are to his moral will, which is not an easy thing to do, the easier it then becomes to know what God wants for our lives. But we don't always like what we discover. We want to know what God wants us to do, and yet sometimes when we, when we understand what it is, we actually don't want to do it. A few years ago, um, I, was, I was dating someone that I met at college, and he was really passionate about ministry, and we had lots of things in common. So I thought, you know, this has to be blessed by God. This has to be the, the relationship that's for me. But... I had a few doubts and there were a few things in our relationship that just weren't sitting right. But I really, really liked this guy. I really liked him and so I prayed about it. I said, God, what is it that you want me to do in this situation? I just don't know what to do. But here's the thing. As, as things went on, um, even though I was saying I really wanted to know God's, God's plan for my life and I was wrestling with it, um, the truth was I actually knew the answer. I did. If I'm being honest with myself now, I knew that this wasn't the relationship for me. Even though I really liked this guy, um, even though even some of my friends, you know, thought he was really awesome too, just deep down I knew he wasn't um, the guy for me. There was a few red flags that were there. And the problem was I didn't like the answer. But eventually I got on board um, with what I knew God wanted me to do and I ended the relationship and I'm so glad I did because look what God um, had around the corner just for me. And um, I praise God now for the fact that, you know, I was, I was willing to listen and I was um, actually willing to um, do what didn't necessarily, you know, I wanted to do at that time. So often when we are seeking God's guidance or making decisions, it's not that he's being unclear with us. It's not that he doesn't want to communicate with us. Um, if he died for us, he's surely going to talk to us and show us what to do. It's just sometimes 
sometimes, and I'm speaking for myself here, we're unwilling to actually do what it is that he wants us to do. We have a tendency to say, God, show me, um, show me what it is that you want me to do in this situation so I can consider it. I can put it out there with my options and I can, you know, look at it as a possible suggestion that I could maybe take. But the fact is, when God um, communicates with us, when he gives us a direction, he, he wants participation. He wants us to actually take that on board. Our God is the creator of the universe. We just saw on that clip how big our God is. He's not merely making a suggestion. He's saying, well, you asked me, this is what I want you to do. He wants us to get to a place, and this is a hard place to get to. I'm not speaking on anything that I'm not willing to take on board myself. But he wants us to get to a place where our answer will be yes to him, even before we know what it is that he's going to ask us, because we trust him. We trust that he cares for us and that he knows what is best. I want to get to that place where I'm willing to say, yes, God, I will do what it is that you want me to do, um, even when I'm not sure what the consequences may be. We're just going to take a little bit of time now looking at this verse um, in Proverbs. We'll just flick along here. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him or acknowledge him is another word that can be used and he will make your paths straight. Some of you might be familiar with this verse. Um, if you've grown up in the church, you might have memorised it. Um, you might have come across it before, even if you are new to church. Um, and I love um, how the message translation puts it again. It says, trust in God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one that will keep you on track. He'll make your paths straight. So just coming back to the start, I just want to, I guess, look a little bit closer at some of these words here. Trusting God with, from the bottom of our heart, with all of our heart. You know, we quote it off like it's really easy. Trusting God with all your heart. That's hard. You know, we want to trust God with some of our hearts or maybe some of the parts of our life. But to trust God with all, that's huge. And that's something that can be really difficult to do and yet it's what he wants us to do. He doesn't just want us to have him as an option. He wants to be first. The Bible then goes on to say, lead not on your own understanding, meaning don't depend on yourself. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Is there anyone here who sometimes find themselves doing that? I'm going to put my hand up because I do. I try to do things on my own. I try to sort things out by myself. And I did that a number of times um, this week in a few different situations. And I'm so glad that I have a husband who points me back to Jesus when I'm having a it's all about me moment. And it, you know, how am I going to get through this? And I'm so stressed out. And you know, what am I supposed to do? That's when we need to put our eyes back on God and say, it's not about us doing it on our own. It's about allowing God to help us through that. Let's go back to our verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, there's that word all again. You know, I wish it said some or a few, but it's saying in all your ways, submit to him, which means not just the specific areas or circumstances that we're praying about. You know, so often when we've got a problem or a decision to make, you know, our eyes are fixated right here. But we've got the rest of our lives over here and all these other decisions that we're making. God is saying, don't just ask for my guidance on this one decision. Seek me in all your ways, in everything that you're doing. And then the next word says, um, in the, just in a different translation, it says, instead of submit, it says acknowledge. 
Now, in the English language, the word acknowledge um, isn't really that strong. Like you can, you know, acknowledge someone by, you know, nod of your head or acknowledge that that person is there or that thing is there. But in the Greek, it actually means a whole lot more. It means to be riveted, focused, right on line with. It's a whole lot more powerful than the definition that we give acknowledge. So this means that when we're trying to make a decision over here, this is the specific circumstance we're thinking about. God wants us to keep our eyes fixed on him and all this other stuff. You know, if we're talking about jobs here, he wants us to keep our eyes on in our relationships, the way we're dealing with our kids, the choices that we're making on weekends, the, the, you know, the way that we interact with people. He wants us to keep our eyes fixed on him and all this other stuff too, not just this decision that we're trying to make right here. That was a real light bulb for me this week. You know, how often do I pray for guidance in this one decision and yet there's some other stuff in my life that I really need to be saying, God, I need to surrender to that to you as well. That's the promise that God gives us. When we do that, when we stay focused on God in all aspects of our life, not easy to do, he will make our paths straight. And so this is the point. God wants to give us direction. He wants to give us guidance as we make decisions, but he doesn't want to just give us another option. There are so many options out there. We're bombarded with choices, and the fact is he doesn't want to just be another option. He wants to be the option. He wants us to be so focused on him in all the other parts of our life that when it comes to making a new decision, that we're willing to obey him no matter what. That takes humility, that takes surrendering and it's stuff that as humans is really hard to do. I know I struggle with it. You know, I can say, God, take this thing and yet I'm still grasping onto it tightly. He wants us to release it and say, God, you know what, even if I don't understand, even if I don't like the answer, I'm going to trust that you know what's best and I'm going to follow you. It's when we surrender to the known will of God, so the things that we know he wants us to do, that's when we can understand the unknown, the things that we don't know yet. We can trust that God will help us to make those decisions. So the best way that you can be prepared for knowing God's will is to get familiar with the things that he's already told us, the things that we already know he's going to do. He has a plan to save us. He's coming back soon. He wants this church to be a light to the world. That's what he is going to do and he, he will do in the future. We know the things that he's given us instructions for as to how to live our lives. When we become familiar with that, that's when we can start making really wise decisions and knowing what he wants for us. Now, it all sounds really deep and profound, but it also sounds a bit complicated as well. Like, why has God made it so difficult? Like, why doesn't he just ride it in the sky with some beautiful sky riding? Or why doesn't he just boom it um, with a big, loud voice? Wouldn't that make it so much easier when you're trying to decide to say yes to the job or no, or date this person or no, or do this or do that? Wouldn't it make it easier if it was just there for us and we could follow it? It would be easier, but the fact is, as Andy shared last week, the ultimate thing that God wants for us is to know him, to have a relationship with him. And relationship is about free choice. It's not about dictating. Relationship is about getting to know God and going through this process. It's really not about the information and the details. It's about discovering him and who he is. And the fact is, and those of us who have maybe walked with God for a while, you'll know that when you have a big decision to make, your prayer life goes through the roof. 
Like when you need to make a choice and you've got a week to make that choice, all you do is pray. You, you think about it all the time and you're going, God, what should I do? And we are so in tune with God when we've got this massive, big decision to make. God wants us to be talking to him like that all the time. That's his ultimate um, plan for us. I just want to share um, just a, a story about it, a young man, and I'm just going to invite the band to come up now as we finish off. Um, we recently had our, our camp meeting, our big camp, um, down the back here. For those that you were um, here, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you don't, you may have seen a whole bunch of tents down there. It's our annual church conference. And um, this year, we actually did something a little bit different for our young adults. Normally, we would get in an international speaker from overseas and fly them in, and they'd present to us for the week and then leave. But um, for some reason, um, speaker after speaker cancelled on us and we got to the seventh speaker and that final one, um, just a couple of months out, cancelled as well. And I'm thinking, God, like, you know, what is going on here? This is my first time running this event and was really stressing out. And God led us to a different path and we actually ended up asking our very own young adults um, from around our conference, there were five of them, and we asked them to actually take the messages for the week not because they were like super polished and experienced and amazing most of them actually had never really set foot on a platform before let alone you know for hundreds of people and it was interesting having these conversations with each of these young people as we approached them um, we'd sought um, guidance and we talked to their leaders and pastors in their church and they'd recommended these young people and one young man just really struggled with it he's like no way there is no way I can get up on that stage and share. Like, you've got to be kidding. And we said, you don't have to make a decision right now. Um, just think about it, pray about it. We think you can do it. We think that God has given you a message and that you will do an amazing job. But he had to make this decision for himself. And he, he said yes a week later. And then he said no um, a couple of days later after that. He's like, no, I just, I just don't think I can do it. And um, we said, okay, just take some more time. Like, we're not going to force you. This has got to be your decision. And um, he thought about it for a few more days. And then Martin and I um, got a message from him. And he said, oh, can you guys come over to my house? And I'm assuming at this point he's going to say no. Like, it just the way it sounded, he wanted to just tell us face to face. And he um, proceeded to share with us just this amazing story about how God had really really spoken to him clearly during that time not in a big booming voice but through people that he talked with um, when he would read the bible there would be particular verses that would just really speak to him and at the end of the day it wasn't about whether he actually chose to get up the front or not because from that experience and he said this himself he said I got to know God better you know here I was wrestling with this decision God is this your will that I speak or is it not your will and yet in the process of all of that, it was actually about him getting to know God more and knowing that God was going to speak to him and that God had a plan for him. And he did share and he did do an awesome job. But for this young man, it was more about the fact that he wrestled with God over this decision and he felt really affirmed um, of God's love for him. There's a quote by Philip Yancey, um, who's a Christian author in the States, and he says, I do not get to know God and then do his will. I get to know him more deeply by doing his will. I do not get to know God and then do what he wants me to do. I get to know him by actually doing his will, by knowing what his plan is and by surrendering to him. At the end of the decision-making process, we haven't simply made a decision. We've actually gotten to know our great, amazing, sovereign, loving, creator God even better. 
Yes, the course you choose is important. The job that you choose is important. The person you marry is important. But God is up to something that is so much bigger than our lives here on this earth. We matter to him, we do. But when you look at that picture on the screen of the galaxies, there is a plan that is beyond what we can even imagine. And that's an eternal plan. It's an eternal plan. It affects us more than just this part of our lives here. He wants us to have an eternal life. I can't even get my head around what that looks like, but it sounds amazing. God wants us to live with him forever and to have no more suffering and no more crying and no more pain and stress and all of the tough stuff that we've got here on this earth. He's got a plan that's beyond that. And he is just waiting for us to get to the place where we'll say, God, I want you and I want your will more than I want any of the options that are before me. I want you first. I want you first in my life. I want you first in this church. I want you first as we go out and tell others about him. In all your ways, refresh church. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. Let's stand together and sing this next song. Um, this song is Oh Praise the Name, and I just wanted to share this. This song is all about Jesus' death and his, his horrible death. And he, he paid the price for us because of our sins. And um, I just wanted to share a verse. Um, it's in Matthew. My passcode's not letting me go. All right, um, it's in Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. And, the, and this is when Jesus was in the garden and he knew what he had to do and he just, he was sweating blood. He was, he was just so petrified of being separated from the Father. And this is what he said. My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but your will be done. And so as we sing this next song, Let's just remember the price that Jesus paid for us. And I cast my mind to Calvary when Jesus bled and died for me.
between you and God. This isn't about anybody standing around you. If you're saying, God, I've got decisions to make in my life. Um, I don't know what to do. And there are, there are things that I want you to um, really guide me and I want you to lead me. And Lord, I want to say yes to you, um, even though the options may be what I don't want to hear, even though it may be hard. Um, I want to trust you with all of my heart and I want to lean not on my own understanding. If that's you here today, just as our eyes are closed, this is between you and God, I just want you to raise your hand and just say, God, I want your will in my life. I want you to guide me. I want you to lead me. Um, speak to me through your word, through other people. Some of you may be at such beginning of this journey, you don't even know where to start. I just pray that God will place a person in your life that can really talk you through this. Um, let's just pray together now. Um, Father in heaven, Lord, I just thank you for your love. I thank you for the, the people here today, Lord. Um, those that have said, Lord, we want to follow you. We want your, your will for our lives. Um, please speak to us. Please show us um, how you want us to live, the decisions to make. I pray a blessing over every home represented here. Lord, you know the struggles that are happening um, in their lives and you know the way that they need you. And I just pray that you would be with them, that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them. Lord, I pray a blessing over Refresh Church and the leadership team here, I pray that you would speak through them and lead through them, Lord, so that um, this church can be such a light in this community um, here at North Pine, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We ask these things in your name. And everybody said together, amen, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great afternoon.